0: We thank you for your plan, your purpose, and your will. We thank you for your blood. We thank you for your name. We thank you for your good word that was spoken to us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for life and health and breath that you've given to each one of us today. Father, without you we can do nothing today, Lord, except we abide in you and your word abides in us. Father, we thank you for making us, uh, O oh God, the the branch, O God, and that you are the vine, that we are connected to you, Lord Jesus, that we would flow as your Spirit flows through us today, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear today. Father, have your way in the remainder of this service, Lord. We want to get out of the way and let you have your way, Lord Jesus. For you're worthy of all the glory and praise and honor that we can give you, Lord, with the fruit of our lips. So, oh God, from the depths of our hearts, Lord, we love you right now. We praise you right now. You're worthy of our praise. You're worthy of the glory. You're worthy of the honor, Lord Jesus. And we give you the honor and the glory and the praise right now, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Go ahead for a song. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, 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 God. Hallelujah to your name. Worthy is your name, Lord. We thank you for your blood and for your name. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you for lifting us up and bringing us out, oh God of the miry clay today. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Oh, I'm so glad that Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad that Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad that Jesus lifted me. Sing in glory, hallelujah, Jesus lifted me. Satan had me bound, but Jesus lifted me. Satan had me bound, but Jesus lifted me. Oh, Satan had me bound, but Jesus lifted me. I'm singing glory, hallelujah, Jesus lifted me. When I was a sinner, my Jesus lifted me. Oh, when I was a sinner, my Jesus lifted me. When I was a sinner, my Jesus lifted me. Singing glory, hallelujah, Jesus lifted me. And now I am so glad that Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad that my Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad that Jesus lifted me. Sing in glory, hallelujah. Jesus lifted me. Oh, Satan had me bound, but Jesus lifted me. Satan had me bound, but Jesus lifted me. Satan had me bound, but Jesus lifted me. I'm singing in glory, hallelujah. Jesus lifted me, oh, when I was a sinner, oh, Jesus lifted me, when I was a sinner, my Jesus lifted me, oh, when I was a sinner, my Jesus lifted me, glory, hallelujah. Oh, now I'm so glad that Jesus lifted me. Oh, I'm so glad that Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad that Jesus lifted me. I'm singing glory, hallelujah. Jesus lifted me. If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? Just have faith in the power of the Lord. Keep going forward. Never look behind you. Keep going forward. Never look behind you. Keep going forward. Never look behind you. Don't just have faith. In the power of the Lord, by faith, by faith be fearless, fighting in the battle, by faith be fearless, fighting in the battle, by faith be fearless, fighting in the battle, just have faith in the power of the Lord. If God be for us, who can be against us? It's true. If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? Oh, just have faith. In the power of the Lord, keep going forward and never look behind you. Keep going forward, don't ever look behind you. Keep going forward and never look behind you. Oh, just have faith. In the power of the Lord by faith be fearless, by faith be fearless, fighting in the battle. By faith be fearless, fighting in the battle. Oh, by faith, be fearless, fighting in the battle. Don't just have faith. In the power of the Lord. If God be for us, if God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? For us. Oh hallelujah Jesus. Just have faith. In the power of the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. <coughs> Thank you, Father, for being there, Lord Jesus, to fight our battles for us. <coughs> oh, God, my God. Hallelujah. <coughs> Hallelujah. I was reading yesterday where it says that on a certain day, Jesus got in a ship with his disciples. He just so happened to do that. And there just so happened to be a storm. It just just happened, right? Just circumstantial. And Jesus just happened to go to sleep in the boat. Yeah. Do you think Jesus knew the storm was coming? Do you think Jesus knew that this was a test for his disciples? Because at the end of the, the whole story, what did he say? Where's your faith? thought you guys believed in me. Where's your faith? And so we, we're, we have to ask ourselves sometimes, where's my faith? Instead of when a situation comes up in our life and we start going, why in the world is all hell breaking loose in my life? We, what we should be saying is, okay, Lord, you have to have sent this storm. This has to be from you, because I'm your child. And you wouldn't allow this in my life if I didn't need this for some reason. so, even in the midst of this storm, I don't like it, but help me to understand and see and learn what you're trying to teach me in the midst of this storm. Amen. We need to, we need to trust God for everything that we need. Amen. Well, who am I that you are mindful of me, that you hear me when I call? And is it true that you are thinking of me, how you love me? It's amazing. Who am I that you are mindful of me, that you hear me when I call? Oh, and is it true that you are thinking of me? He is how you love me. It's amazing, oh, I am a friend of God, I am a friend of God, I am a friend of God, He calls me friend, oh, I am a friend of God, yes, I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Well, who am I that you are mindful of me? That you hear me. He does hear you when I call. Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, and is it true that you are thinking? Oh, yes, it's true. How you love me, it's amazing. Oh, I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Oh, I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. He's God Almighty, Lord of glory. You have called me friend. Oh God Almighty, Lord of glory. You have called me friend. Oh, you are God Almighty, Lord of glory. You have called me friend. Oh, I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Let's sing it, church. Oh yes, and I am a friend of God. Oh, I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Hallelujah. He's our friend that sticks closer than a brother. Hallelujah, Jesus. Uh. We are His sons and His daughters. We are the people of His pasture. We are His sheep. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. We are His sons and His daughters. We are His bride. Amen. We're His precious people. He cares about what happens to us, His little sheep. Amen. And how many in this room today knows that without Him, we could do nothing? That's what the Scripture says in John, chapter 15. Without Him, He said, without me, ye can do nothing. And what what does that encompass? Everything, anything, in the natural, in the spirit, it doesn't matter. It encompasses everything about us if we are truly count ourselves as His children. And so we need Him today, church. Amen. Let's sing this together. Without Him, I could do nothing. Without Him, I'd surely fail. Without Him, I would be drifting like a ship. Without a sail. Oh Jesus, oh Jesus. Do you know him today? Take him away, oh Jesus. Oh, Jesus, without Him, how lost I would be. Without Him, I would be dying. Without Him... Without Him, worthless, but with Jesus, thank God I am saved. Oh Jesus, oh Jesus. Do you know Him today? Please don't turn Him away. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Without Him, how lost I would be. Without Him, I could do nothing. Without Him, I'd surely fail. Without Him, I would be drifting like a ship. Without a sail, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, do you know him today? Turn him away. Oh Jesus, without Him, I lost I would be. Lord, we love You this morning. We praise You this morning. In Jesus' name. We thank You, God, for Your goodness and mercy. Hallelujah, hallelujah.
1: Worship him, can we give him the praise that's worthy? Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy and your grace, for everything that you've done for us, O oh Lord. Where would we be without you? There's nobody like you in all the earth, and we thank you, O oh God, for thy great salvation, that we can know who you are, that we can speak your name, and peace will come. We thank you, Jesus, for your presence, O oh God, that you're working and moving among your people, and without you, we can do nothing. We give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise, for truly you are worthy of all our praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You can be seated. I was thinking today, this morning, about God's original intent. When he created Adam and Eve, and he walked with them in the garden every evening. His original intent. And then sin came. And that fellowship was broken, but it is his intention to have fellowship with us every single day. And that's why Jesus came. God was manifested in the flesh. He was crucified, and he rose again the third day. And he filled us with his spirit so we can have that fellowship that he intended from the beginning to have. And there's a story about a man, you might have heard it before. I don't know what his name is, but some people call him Bob. Every day he prayed at a certain time, every morning, and he would begin his prayer with, God, it's Bob. And one day he ended up in a coma. He was very sick, and they thought he would die. But every day at the same hour, all his vitals would be normal for a whole hour. And after a month, he came to. They didn't think he would, but he survived. And he told this story every day at the hour of prayer because he couldn't speak to God. God came to him, and he whispered in his ear, and he said, Bob, this is God. That's what he intends for us, to have that type of fellowship every single day because he loves us. He is our friend. he desires good and not evil. And if you know who you are in Christ, if you can walk in that and have confidence in that. So we're going to start with Hebrews twelve one, and it says, "Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every witness which does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Ecclesiastes 9.11 says, "I I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift. And 1 Corinthians nine twenty four says, Know you not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that you may obtain. And today I want to speak to you about being weary in waiting. So we're going to start talking about Abraham and Lot. We know that God called Abraham out. He was going to be the father of the chosen nation, Jew, the Jewish nation, but Lot was his brother's son, and Lot came with them. And because Lot was with Abraham, he was blessed. And there came a time when they had to separate because there was their herds and their um, all their servants. It was too great for the land to hold. So Abraham gave Lot a choice, and Lot chose the valleys, and he chose Sodom to be his home. And in the process of time, there came enemies of Sodom. And they came and captured Lot and his family. And they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah. And they were leading him off into captivity. And there was somebody that escaped. And they ran. And they told Abram, not Abraham, because his name had not been changed yet. And they told him the situation. So Abram, he took all of his trained servants. There were 318 of them, and he pursued because he wanted to set Lot free and his family. So they pursued, they overcame, and everybody that was captive and all the things that had been taken, they were returned. And as Abraham was coming back, we're going to talk about what happened after he came back. So we're going to go to Genesis 14, 18 through 20. And it says, Melchizedek, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. This was the first time we're hearing of a priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. So he knew who God was. He knew that God was the creator of the heavens and the earth. And he said, Blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand, and he gave him tithes of all. So he was a king of Salem, which means a peaceful place. He had come out to meet Abraham, to encourage him. And so Abraham returned everything back to the kingdoms. He didn't need their wealth. God had already blessed him. So after this, God comes and he visits Abraham. And we're going to start at chapter 15, verse 1. And it said, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Who is your shield? In Ephesians, it talks about us having a shield. God is our shield. I have heard that. When the Romans, when they put on their um, all their weaponry, each helmet was different. It was fitted for that soldier. Each shield was sometimes different if they could afford it. God has given us each a shield. He is our exceeding great reward. But you have to believe it. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is not mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thy heir. But he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thy heir. And he brought forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven. Tell the stars if thou art able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. We're talking about being weary in well-doing, but you have to believe. You cannot be faithless. You have to believe the promises of God. And Abram did. And after that, God told him, I want you to get a heifer, a she goat, a ram, I want you to get a turtle dove and a pigeon, and he laid them on the altar, and he waited all day because fire was going to come from heaven and consume this offering after God had spoke to him and told him that you are going to have an heir, it's not going to be your servant, and all this land, you know, I'm going to raise up generations, and it's going to be the land that they will possess that I have promised you, and so he waited, he waited all day, and you know, the ravens came. They came and they were trying to steal this food, this sacrifice. But Abram was faithful, and he just stood there and he waited for God to come and consume the sacrifice. He was waiting for a day, and he had to wait all day. But God did come, and he sent fire from heaven, and he consumed the sacrifice. And then God started making a covenant with Abram. When Abram was 99 years old, he made a covenant with him. And it was a covenant of circumcision. And he said, this is going to be a covenant with you and I forever and ever. But Abram had been waiting for a seed, and it didn't happen. God had promised him. So Abram was 99 years old or going on, or he was in his 90s, and Sarah was 10 years younger than him, and he just thought the time has come and passed. And Sarah and him were discussing it because they had waited on the Lord, and it wasn't happening, so, well, let's make this happen. So they came up with a plan. Sarah came up with a plan, and I don't know why she thought this was a good plan, but she said, you take my servant Hagar, she's an Egyptian, you have a child with her that'll be like my child i'll raise it up and that will be god's promise so they followed through with this plan and it didn't work out very good before hagar even had a chance to have the baby she was despised in sarah's eyes there was jealousy it was not the plan of god so she ran away into the desert But God spoke to her, and she called him, because she didn't know his name, she called him the God that sees me. We have a God that sees every situation and every circumstance. He is aware. It's like running the race. You know that there is an end, but sometimes in the midst of the running, it feels like it will never end. So then God made a covenant He made a covenant with Abram, and it was a covenant of circumcision that was to be followed by all generations. That was the covenant that God made. He's a covenant-keeping God. And after this, well, I want to read something. While he was making this covenant, before he made this covenant, we're going to go to um, Genesis 15. We're going to read, Verses 13 and 14. This is when God was telling Abraham that he was going to have a seed, that he asked him for this sacrifice. It was after he had delivered Lot into his hand. And this is a promise that he gave to Abraham. And he said, also that nation. So he's talking about. Well, let's start with verse 13. It says, and he said unto Abraham, Abram, know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall be afflicted four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward they shall come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy father in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. So he had already given him the knowledge that his his, the following generations would end up in Egypt. I wonder if Joseph knew that. It doesn't say anywhere else that that knowledge was passed on. Perhaps it was. Perhaps Joseph knew that. Perhaps that was why he was so patient, or maybe he just had that faith in God that he knew no matter what happened to him, he could still serve God like Daniel could. And that God was a rewarder. And he was the one that would hear and answer every single prayer. I don't know. But they had the promise. One thing I do know that was passed on from generation to generation was that promise and that covenant keeping. So when the time came that God revisited Abram and he told them, okay, now in a year, Sarah, Sarah is going to have a child. And I'm going to change your name to Abraham, and I'm going to change her name to Sarah. Do you know that when we get to heaven, we're going to have a stone with our names written on it? Our names are going to be changed, and my name has already been changed. I've been baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the Holy Ghost, and now I have a new name, his name. He's a faithful God. They were not willing to wait. They were trying to create the circumstances and the situation in which God could move and his prayers could be answered or his promises were because they got weary in waiting because what is impossible for God? Nothing is impossible for God. So today I want to encourage you that the words that have been spoken don't get weary in the waiting because God is faithful And he will do what he said he will do. Think about when Jesus was dedicated, when they took him to the temple to be circumcised. I want to go to Luke 2, verses 25 through 32. Many promises of the Messiah had already been fulfilled because Jesus was born. Everything that was prophesied about his coming had come true. He was born in Bethlehem. So it is time for them to take him to the temple to dedicate him, to have him, have him circumcised. And so we're going to start reading uh, verse 20, 25. Good. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him after the custom of the law, then he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For my eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. I'm so glad that it was a light for the Gentiles That we are adopted into that kingdom. So Simeon was promised. And he waited. And he obeyed the Holy Ghost. And he went to the temple that day. Because he was going to see that promise come to fruition. He was patient. But there was somebody else at that temple that day. That was waiting. And her name was Anna. Let's go to verse 37 through 38. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake to him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So she was, she was, it says she was of a great age. She had been married for seven years, and for 84 years she had been a widow. So she was quite old. But she was a prophetess. And every day she went to the temple. It says she prayed and she fasted. That's a long time to wait for that promise to come to fruition. That's a long time. She was over 84 years old. She could have said, you know what? I'm tired. I'm old. She probably had aches and pains. They didn't have the medicine like they do today. But she was not weary in her waiting. She was faithful because God had spoke and she was willing to wait. And because she was, she got to see the Messiah. And she got to speak to others of him. Weary and waiting. We're such an impatient society here. I've heard it said that when missionaries come from the foreign field, especially if they come from the third world countries, they have to take a couple weeks to acclimate again to our society. Impatience. People passing you on the road. You can go the speeding limit and you can see these people weaving in and out. Now, sometimes I think in my head they're probably late for work. They're in a big hurry, and I get it. Sometimes you do get slowed down, and you get impatient because you have to be there, and you want to be there on time, and maybe you didn't leave in a timely manner, or maybe you got stopped by a train, or maybe you hit every red light. But we're so impatient, waiting in a grocery line. If you go to the grocery store and it's busy and everybody's in front of the aisles and it's where you want to get to, and they can't make up their mind. But I get it because you have to look for the product. And we have so many different kinds of cans of soup and so many different kinds of tomato sauces, and you have to pick out just the right one. But in third world countries, maybe they have to go to the market every single day. They have to buy their their fruit and their vegetables and what they need fresh, their meat fresh. You know, so it's a different pace. I remember when stores were closed on Sunday because people did want to go to church, and they wanted that day of rest, and they wanted to be obedient to the command of keep the Sabbath. And I remember when even sometimes on Saturday they closed the stores at noon so that people could get what they needed to get done. And you know what? People got it done. They got their shopping done. They got what they needed. It was a slower pace. It was mindful. We're not mindful anymore because we have a phone that we can get on, and if we have a question, we can just Google it, and in seconds we can get that answer. And you don't have to teach people impatience. When a baby's born, they're impatient. If they want to be fed, they're going to let you know. If they're wet, if they're sick, they're going to let you know. And you know what, it's not pleasant hearing them cry and you want to comfort them and you want to help them. But even as they grow up. Excuse me. Even with my 2-year-old granddaughter, we're still che- we're teaching her patience. Like when she's hungry in the morning and you're getting it ready and she's like, you know, I want to eat and we're like, okay. Am am I getting your food? Did I say I would help you? Or she needs help with something. Help me. Help. 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 And we're like, did I say I would help you? Yes. Okay. Now you have to wait for me to get there so I can help you. It's hard. It's hard to have patience sometimes. We have to develop these patience. So I don't know if you've ever heard of um, Eric Little, Lindell. Liddell? Anybody? Um, I read this story to my children. I had never heard of him before, although there was a movie made of him in the 80s, um, Chariots of Fire. Okay. So this is him. Um, He was a great athlete from Scotland. And in 1924, they were going to have the Olympics in France. And he was a runner for the 100-meter. But he had found out right before the Olympics, before they were going to go over to France, he lived in Scotland, that they were holding his race on Sunday. And because he was a Christian, he refused to run in that race. But he had trained all this time. So he thought, well, I'll just try to qualify for the 400-meter race, which is totally a different race. But he would not. He would not run on Sunday. You see, he was born in China. His mother and father were missionaries. When he was eight or six and his brother was eight, they were sent to England, to Scotland, to a boarding school. His mother and his sister and his father stayed in China. And um, that's where he grew up. And then when his parents came home on furlough, they would be able to spend time together so he was he had great athletic abilities. He was um, the captain of his um, cricket team and of his rugby team. Um, he had won i think two years in a wo- row he had won the Blackheart Cup of the year. His headmaster George Robertson said described him as being entirely without vanity. So when he went to the Olympics. He had already in his mind that he would try to qualify for the 400-meter heat, and he did. He did qualify for it. But before he ran for that qualification, he had a team member that had given him a piece of paper. Well, he kept it because he didn't have time to read it before he qualified for that meet. But on the paper, paper was First Samuel 2.30, and it said, For them that honor me, I will honor. He knew it was talking about God. So the one thing about Eric was he was not a typical runner. Actually, they called him the ugliest runner they had ever seen because of his running style. He would toss his head back, and he'd open up his mouth, and he'd run full speed ahead so it wasn't pretty what he was doing, but it got the job done. They called called him the Flying Scotsman. And, yes, he did win that meet. And he ran the only way he knew how, a sprint, full force, all the way. That's how he ran. But that is not what he wanted to be remembered for. Because when he finished school after the Olympics, he got married and he went to China to be a missionary. And that's where he lived his life. And that's where the greatest accomplishments were fulfilled. That was fulfilling to him. He didn't want to be remembered for that race. And he stayed in China and he died in China. He was there during the Second World War when Japan invaded China. And they were telling all the Europeans to get out of China. They weren't safe anymore. But he sent his family home, but he stayed. Because there was a work that God had called him to do. And he was running this race, and he wasn't going to be weary. And if he lost his life in China, that's where he wanted to die and be buried. Because that's what God had called him to do. So he stayed. And he did end up in a Japanese internment camp. But while he was there, he ministered to the people there. And I don't know if you know anything about those situations, but they were harsh. It was not good. A lot of times they were starving, besides all the torment and torture they had to go through. But he kept a peace there. And he was teaching the young people how they needed to treat each other, even in harsh situations and circumstances. And right before the war ended, he ended up dying in that camp. He had a brain tumor. But his loss was felt so deeply because he had taught them so much in those harsh harsh situations. Because he wasn't weary. He was waiting on the Lord because God had called him there. And he had something to do. You know, the Lord has something for us to do. It has already been prophesied and proclaimed that there will be a great revival in this city. If you remember that video that we watched, that Brother Gaddy said in La Crosse, Wisconsin, but you cannot be weary in what you see. It doesn't matter that we are few. What matters is that we are getting ready to run that race and not be weary It doesn't matter what the circumstances or situations look like, but you must have faith <clears throat> and you must profess it. You must say, yes, there's going to be a great revival. Yes, I will be willing to be used of God. Yes, I am the friend of God and I will hear his voice and I will be in that fellowship light with him like he intended from the beginning with Adam and Eve, and I will hear his voice, and I will be like Bob and say, Lord, this is Linda, and I am hearing your voice, because I'm going to meet with you daily, just like Daniel did those three times a day. I'm going to do that. I'm going to read your word and hear your voice. What does the race look like? It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter that there are few or many. We don't know how God's going to do it. It might not look like Azusa Street. It probably won't look like Azusa Street. And that's the problem. We get fixed in our minds what we think it's going to happen. Does that mean we don't make plans? Does that mean we don't move forward? No. We're going to move forward. And God's going to do what he needs to do in the time that he needs to do it. And he's going to raise up a people and a generation to do what needs to be done before he comes again. So it's your choice if you're going to be used or not. But I know you will never obtain what you don't believe you can have. If you don't believe it, you're not going to obtain it. What did he say to Elijah when, he, when, when Jezebel had killed all the prophets of God? But there was a governor The king Ahab had a governor, Obadiah, who hid a 100 prophets when Jezebel was doing this in two different caves. So there was 50 in each cave, and the whole time he fed them. And Elijah, he went on that mountain. He killed the prophets of Baal. God answered him, and he killed the prophets of Baal. But after that, Jezebel was threatening him. And, he ran, and God said he, he had to get Elijah off by himself. He had to let Elijah know that Elijah thought he was the only prophet left. But God had to tell him, no, I have 7,000 prophets who have not bent their knee to Baal nor kissed him. Because you get discouraged in your, in your running. He was discouraged. He had had this great victory. He had done what God had asked him to do, and he was tired, and he got weary. But God said, no, Elijah, you don't see the big picture. I've got it all under control. What did he say to Asa when the enemy was coming against them? In Second Chronicles fourteen eleven, Asa's crying out to God. And Asa cried unto the Lord, his God, and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. It's the hand of God that will save. It's the hand of God that will move in the midst of this city. But you've got to believe it. Anna was eighty four years old. They probably told her, Why are you coming to the temple today? You're old. Why don't you just stay at home? Why don't you sit in the comforts? I, I get so sick of hearing, well, I you're old and you're No. God has given me a job to do, and He's given me the strength to do it, and I'm gonna do what He's called me to do because I am running in this race. We might be few in this body, but that's not what I see. I see The spirit of God moving upon my city, my county, my children, my family, your children, your loved ones, your lost ones, the ones that have come and gone. That's what I see because he's going to do it. And I don't have to know how. How did Bob come out of that coma? They didn't know. They thought he was going to die. We don't have to know those things. All we have to know is that we're not going to be weary and well-doing. That we're going to run this race with patience. That we're like the horses in the gate waiting. You know, those race horses are bred for one thing, and that's to run the race. I was created for one purpose, to do the will of my father. He has called you. He has chosen you. So you need to go in that calling and that choosing. And those horses that run that race... They get into that gate and they prance and they don't even want to go in the gate because all they want to do is run. But the Lord's going to open up those gates and we're going to be running and we're going to see we it's going to be. It's going to be what God has created us to do, and I'm not going to say it's going to be awesome because that's the kind of God we have. Nothing is impossible with him. Even Asa said it. What is what is it for thee to do? You know, with many or with few, God has chosen us. He has a purpose and a plan for you. He wants you to be a part of that, but it's got to be up to you every single day. And you know what? There's something called what Sister Claudette Walker calls word replacement therapy. What words do you need to be speaking to yourself? God has called me. I am his child. He chose me. He's my shepherd. When I need to lie down in green pastures, he's going to give me that rest. He's prepared for me a table in the presence of my enemies. What do I have to fear? I am who he said that I am. He has given me the weapons of my warfare. But I need to use them. They are made especially for me, and they're made especially for you. It's easy to be discouraged. It's easy to go to work. If you've ever worked at a place very long, you know who the complainers are. No matter if the sun is shining or it's pouring rain, they are not happy. You know. And by the way, nobody can make you happy. It's only by God's grace. It's only by walking with him. It's, it's he alone can make us happy. If, if, if money and wealth and fame could make you happy, then all those people that have it and have miserable lives and end up drug addicts or drinkers or whatever, if, if, if that was the answer, it's not. It's not the answer. And it's easy. It's easy to see the negative. And it is true. We are coming into a time in our country where we just don't really know what exactly is going to go on. But my focus is not on that. You can pray. And God's will, that His his will would be done. And, you know, there have been times where things were prophesied and people intervened and God changed the situation like Hezekiah. When, I, when Isaiah came to him and said, Okay, but he was going to die, but he turned his face towards the wall and he prayed and he asked God to change that. And God did. But God has a perfect plan and a perfect will. And he will give you everything you need to run in this race if you will not be weary. I want to go to Psalms 19, verse 8. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Your heart can rejoice no matter what situation or circumstance, even in your illness and heartaches and pains. You know, Sister Claudette Walker is such an example of what it is like to live a life of pain. Bedridden, how many times over and over? They have many YouTube videos about her talking about her walk. Because when she was 17 years old, she was in the hospital and about ready to die, and that's when they realized that she only had half her organs. And the Lord said, I'm not going to heal you, but you will have a life of pain. And she has. When she was, one of the times she was just bedridden for months and months, she didn't have clarity. Everything was affected. Her home, <clears throat> her hormones, her thyroid, <clears throat> everything was affected, and uh, she was just deathly ill. And she she had been in bed for many months. And the Lord just said, "Okay, I want you to start giving me praise." Oh, well, why do I have to praise you, for, Lord? This is really hard, and she could hardly think. So she'd write something down. Maybe it was one thing a day. Okay, Lord, I'm just grateful that I made it to the bathroom and back to my bed. It was simple things like that. And then the Lord began to bring to her, because she would try to pray, and it was just so difficult just because of her physical being. And so then she began to pray for, oh, Lord, I'm going to pray for so-and-so. They have cancer. And they are really in a bad situation. And they're probably worse off than me. So I'm thankful for today. I'm thankful I'm not in that situation. And then she would begin to pray for that person. And little by little, she had more strength. And little by little, her mind was taken off her and into a higher dimension than where she was at. Because word replacement therapy, it works. So in Psalms 19, verse 8, it says, The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. We don't always need to know the answer, but he will give you what you need in every situation if you will run that race, if you will be determined that the goal is out there. As long as I have breath in my lungs, he has something for me to do. As long as my, I want to go more than anything else. I want to go and be with him. I love my family. But I want to be with him. Since he's called me, I wanted to be with him. he does. I want to hear his voice every day. Be intentional. Because he had a purpose and a plan when he created us. He wanted to have that relationship with us every single day. I want to know what he wants me to do. I want to fulfill the calling and the plans that he has for me. I don't want to be weary. Yeah, sometimes I don't feel good. Yes, sometimes I get discouraged. (coughs) Yeah, sometimes I think, it really, God, how long? How long is this going to be? But I lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord, the creator of the heavens and the earth. The sun's not going to smite me by day nor the moon by night. He's going to cause me to hear his loving kindness in the morning. He's going to order my steps. He's going to lead me to the people that need what I have. There are so many people. They don't know what to do or where to go. And we're the answer. We have the answer. And I want to be there in that moment when that person is right there asking the questions. I'm not going to be weary. I know that I have to stay in the gate until he opens the gate, and then I can run. But I'm going to run. I'm going to run. I'm going to do what he wants me to do. Because he's called me and chosen me and anointed me. And he's called you and chosen you and anointed you. He can do it without us, but he but He prefers to do it with us. And if we won't go, he'll find somebody that will. And the last scripture I want to read today is from Revelation. Revelation 14, 15. And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat, like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. Another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on on the cloud, thrust in thy sickle, and reap, for the time is coming for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth. Is ripe. So if we could just all stand today. I'm going to ask Brother Becker to come up here. If you could just stand a few minutes with your Lord. Worshiping him. Let him speak to you. Run the race. Don't be weary. Because there is an end. And there is a purpose to everything that we go through. And he is faithful. And just just to fulfill his promises to us. He's a covenant-keeping God.
2: Praise God. Let's find a place to pray. The altar is open. Uh, If you're comfortable with that, God is here in this building. Amen. But let's call out on the Lord our God. The words that have been spoken here are true and they're right. We are called to a momentous task, a glorious task, a task that is simply too much, too high for us. We need God. God delights himself to act on our behalf. But we've got to say yes. There are so many excuses that we can make. There are so many reasons that we can come up with to say no, or to say tomorrow, or to say sometime later. But most of us have lived long enough to know that tomorrow never comes. That perfect moment never comes. We need to step up, answer the call of God, and do what we are created to do. Amen. The reason that human beings are the apple of God's eye, the reason that He invests everything into us is because we are built from the ground up to do wondrous things, glorious things through Him. And when we fail to do that, when we dishonor the call of God on our lives by doing things that we want to do, going directions that we desire to go in, we not only do ourselves a disservice, but we do this world a disservice. The things that God could have done through us, the people that God could have reached, and ministered to through us, This is a time to get clarity. A time to see things as they truly are. Are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? Have we been walking in the knowledge of who we are in Jesus Christ? God only knows how much time we have left. How much time Those in this world have left to hear the gospel, to have an opportunity to say yes to the Lord. We've had our opportunity. But that's kind of a selfish attitude, isn't it? When others have not, God desires to do so much through this body, through us as individuals. And God can do anything, literally anything. He's limited by our lack of belief, our lack of commitment, our lack of desire. Lord Jesus, I pray for those present here, those within the sound of my voice. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, myself included, put a fire in us, put a passion, a zeal, a fervency for the the things of God in us. It's easy enough to find reasons to do other things, but the time is upon us, the task is at hand, and I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that we would step up to the challenge that we would step up and become the people that you need us to be. That you created us to be. Sons and daughters of the Most High God. Kings and priests with you. We are supposed to rule and reign with you in, in the in the time to come. We're going to be judging angels. Help us to make our calling and our elections sure. Help us to know of a surety who we are in you. The calling that you've placed on us. Make us effectual in fulfilling that calling. I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray. So many people, so many people in our community need to hear what we have. They need to receive what we've received. There are hungry people in our city. If they just have an opportunity, they'd run with this. They'd be so thankful and so grateful. I pray, Lord, that you lead us to them. That you'd set up a meeting between us and them. Help us, Lord Jesus, to find each other. Open doors of opportunity. Lead us and guide us. Order our steps aright. You are the Lord, our God. There is none else. We depend upon you. Without you, we can do nothing. We need you. But you have deigned in your infinite wisdom to secure our help, to partner with us. We're always going to be the weak link, God, between you and us. Strengthen us. Help us to be strong in you. Help us to remain steadfast and faithful to you, no matter our circumstance and situation, no matter the things we face or don't face. Help us to remain steadfast as you are steadfast and faithful to us in all things. We so desperately need to be about our Father's business. It was your testimony when you walked the earth that you do always those things that please your Father. What an awesome testimony. How Desperately we would like to do always those things that please you. Anoint us, Lord, with power and authority, Holy Ghost unction, to do those things that are meet and right, to do those things that are necessary, to do spiritual battle in behalf of those who cannot fight for themselves, to witness and administer and to reach out to those who perhaps have never heard, never had an opportunity to hear the truth. Not the gospel presented on late night TV, but the truth. What being a Christian truly means. What the gospel truly is. Help us to take seriously our calling. Help us to take seriously the ministry that you've given us. It is quite literally life and death for those that we have yet to reach. We're so thankful, Lord, that you have desired, that you want to partner with us, that you desire to work with us, in us, through us, your perfect will, that we are to be your hands and feet, quite literally in this economy, this world that we live in. We are to do, we are to speak those things that you did and speak when you walked the earth because we're your body now in which the Spirit of God resides. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. We have so much to look forward to if we'll give ourselves to you. Miracles, signs and wonders, wondrous things, glorious things that you desire to do in us and through us. But you need someone to say yes. You need someone to say, I'm available, use me. I pray that each of us would come to that conclusion. I'm available, use me however you want, however you need. Send me where you need to send me. Do in me what you need to do. But let your perfect will be manifest. Let it be accomplished. Eye is not seen, ear is not heard, neither has been understood the things that you desire to do through us. Speaks about doing a new thing, how that you make all things new. Do that in us, I pray now. Do a new thing, something that's not been seen or heard of heretofore. Do something crazy, do something wonderful, something that no one's thought of, no one's ever seen or, or, or heard. Do something wild and and, and beautiful. Do it here. Do it in us. Do it now, I pray. Let your name be glorified. Let your name be glorified in each of us. Lord Jesus, I'm so thankful of the word that's went forth today. I pray that each of us would receive it, that we would take possession of it, that we would own it, that we would accomplish it in our lives. I pray a blessing upon each person here in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we give ourselves to you in service to you, as we submit ourselves to your authority in every area of our lives, Lord Jesus, Move us forward in your plan, your purpose. Move us forward in your kingdom. Use us mightily to accomplish your will, to advance your kingdom, to glorify your name. I pray that we'd meditate upon these words. And that we take action upon them this week. Bring us back to your house, I pray, at the day appointed. These things we ask in Jesus' name. And I wonder if, as the body of Christ, we could give the Lord some thanks right now for what He desires to do, for who He has called us to be, what He has done in us and for us. Lord Jesus, we.